I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good good night. Good night. Night pod. Night pod. Uh, Monday night pod. I've been extremely busy and just hadn't had a chance. I was supposed to record with Michele early this morning, and I could not because of me. And then... The rest of my day was jam-packed, and so we're recording a night pod. Wow, you're a busy boy. It's a busy time, man. It's a busy time. Uh, speaking of busy times, you should go subscribe to the Athletic NBA show. So you can search for it in your podcast feeds. So on Mondays, you have the Basketball Bud show with Zach Harper. On Tuesdays, you have the Tampering pod with Sam Amick. Wednesday, there's a show called Point of Contention, and that is with Ethan Sherwood Strauss. And then Thursdays um, is, oh, I almost had it just off the top of my head. Oh, that is uh, uh, David Aldridge's show with, with Big Waz. And then Friday, you have Dave DeForest's show uh, called Nerd or She Wrote. It's a great, great lineup. There'll be tons of great guests. So make sure that you're subscribed to that show. On the athletic NBA show feed, they gave Ethan. What's what? What's uh, Ethan's new pod? It's called Point of Contention. So he's going to have like a. It's like a debate show. Yeah. Because uh, his pod House of Strauss is legitimately like my favorite NBA pod. Oh yeah, I think it's so good. Oh, it's very good. And this and uh, this like his last one, I was very wary about it because uh, he was talking to Henry Abbott about his Bill Simmons article and it turned out their conversation it definitely touched on that but it was about a lot of other stuff but it was so good and i feel like he just does such a good job at bringing or, or just thinking of topics that other people just aren't discussing in the nba yeah and yeah. you always feel like you're getting like some inside knowledge even though he's just you know just talking about stuff that no one else is talking about that's all yeah. it is yeah no i Very. I, I agree so make sure you're subscribed to that feed uh, as that launches this week. And uh, today we are doing a Reddit mailbag. So thanks to the people at Thunder Reddit for submitting questions and for reaching out to me uh, about doing this show. It was much appreciated. Glad to uh, to get back into this. And uh, with that, we'll jump into uh, some questions. So first question is from at the Debaser 101. Assuming our only first round pick this year is the Denver pick. If a team offered you a first round, a first in this year's draft in exchange for the Denver pick plus the 2022 Clippers pick, what is the minimum pick you would need in return in this draft? Lottery, top 10, top five? I'm going to give the the least popular answer, which would be probably just lottery. Yeah. Probably just lottery. I mean, assuming that by saying that I want, I'm getting a lottery pick, I still have a chance but even let's say it's like a low lottery pick mm-hmm. that has minimum chance, minimal chance of jumping up into the top four. I still probably do it. 
because that 22 Clippers pick, I mean, it's fun now because we don't know what it's going to be. But if we're being honest with ourselves, the most likely scenario is that it'll probably be a pick in the mid to late 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And in that case, if you can trade two picks in the 20s for a, you know, let's say the 12th pick, mm-hmm. even in a bad draft, I'd probably still do it just because we have so many picks behind it. Now, if you said like top 10 or top five, like top five, I might even throw in, you know, another, uh, give them the uh, lottery protected Miami pick. Yeah. Even though it's a bad draft, if you can guarantee that you would get a top five pick, I'd probably do that. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a guy in the top five that'll probably end up being a good player. We don't know who it is. It could be Killian Hayes or James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. Like One of those guys I think will be good. Uh, Tyrese Alberton could go in the top five. Uh, Anyeka Okongwu could go in the top five. There's some good, there should be some good players. So, yeah. But, yeah, I don't think that you can expect to be able to use those two picks and get into the top five or even the top 10. I mean, if you're Phoenix, are you, are you doing that deal? Right. It, I mean, you'd almost have to think it'd have to be like a super smart team. Yeah, Like, they're so smart. They know so much about this draft. They feel so bad about this draft that they're like, I'd rather take the chances that... Or I'd even be happy with a pick in the 20s in the 22 draft because I think that has the potential to be a deeper draft. Yeah. Um, I I just don't think any team in the lottery is going to go other way. Especially, it's hard to sell your fan base. Like, we're going to move back 10 picks and then we'll get another pick in two years. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe New Orleans would do it because they have so many young guys already on their team. And they may may want to kick the can down the road a little bit. But then they have so many cans down the road. They have lots of cans. They the have, road is littered with cans. They're, they're similar to the Thunder. Maybe that's a bad one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who, who the team is. That's that's the problem. Is like who, who's Who's the team that would want to do that? I mean, Washington, Charlotte, Chicago, New York, Detroit, Atlanta, Minnesota, Cleveland. They all need to get better players now. You know, they need to try to hit on this draft, right? <clears throat> they don't need to go back in the 20s. And then, I mean, if, if Charlotte did something like that, like the fan base would just revolt. We're doing right. what? It sounds like a hinky move, like something he would have done if he yeah. had gotten like the 13th pick in his first draft, trading for a... A 20th pick and then a future unprotected first, even though no one thinks it's going to be a high pick. That's like mm-hmm. a very hinky move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And the only, I mean, a team that you could see trading a top pick is Golden State, right? Right. Trade the pick for a player that can play next year and then a future pick. Similar to what they did with, you know, D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. So maybe they would trade it, but. Do the Thunder have the goods to get the number one pick? Oh, we got the goods. <laughs> what, would the, what would the goods oh, be? I mean, we probably don't if they're wanting a player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see. Yeah, I just I don't see it there. But it's interesting. You just have to find the right trade partner, and that's it's a it'll be a difficult thing, especially with if that is your trade package. So I would just assume the Thunder will be taking a guy in the twenties. 
Uh, next question is from at bsaghetti21. I just downloaded Reddit three days ago. This is my first post. How nice will it be <laughs> when Berg signs a four-year, $7 million extension? Glass half full perspective or COVID-19? Just downloaded Reddit. Uh, well, congratulations for joining the Reddit family. <laughs> I would not recommend downloading it on your phone. <laughs> Just keep it as something you can access on your browser every once in a while. Because if it gets on your phone, you're going to start looking at it all the time when you go to the bathroom. You know, it's just something to look at on your downtime, and then you're going to get addicted. Yeah, too many rabbit trails. Um, uh, is he so? Is he saying a four million or four year seven million dollar total deal? I mean, it's got to be right. I mean, in that case, well, yeah, sure. It's great. It. I mean, it could not be. I don't know. It's so hard to project anything right now when it comes to uh, the cap. Yeah. Uh, listening to some of these other podcasts, like they don't they don't know anything. They mm-hmm. have no idea how much it's going to drop. They're j- they're still in like the uh, like brainstorming phase. Yeah. Of, like, I wonder if there'll be some kind of thing where like the guy who makes the most amount of money doesn't count against your cap or something like that. Like people are just throwing out ideas right now. Mm-hmm. I I think the change is going to be significant. And I, I, although I do think one thing the NBA has going for it is based on the cap spike in 2016, I do think whatever they decide to do, they will try to phase it in. Yeah. Um, and not try to, not attempt to do it all in one season or even over two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, so like saying how much Ferg's going to make, I mean, who knows? In the new NBA landscape in a year, maybe six, 0.25 per year, which Sam the Swindler brought up below B. Sagetti. Uh, maybe that's like a ton of money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I have no clue what. I, I would guess they will not extend Terrence Ferguson. That would be my first inclination. Uh, but if they did, it would be for like minimum type of deal. Yeah, if you could if you could get him on a super cheap deal, even if it was even if it was above the minimum, I mean, why not? Your your cap's going to be pretty cleared up in about another two years, yeah. or even another year when Adams and Schroeder come off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not going to even hurt you if you sign him to like a three year, let's say like a three year fifteen million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and that's that seems kind of high right now. But even something like that, it's not going to hurt them at all. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, at KCXHGA, do you believe a financially hard season for the NBA, regardless of if the bubble works or not, hurts or helps Chris Paul and the Thunder's chances of getting a trade deal done? Basically, does it make it harder or easier to shop Chris around to teams? I feel like it can only make it harder. <laughs> I don't see how it would make it easier. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think they're going to be changing the existing contracts. They might change how those contracts uh, are valued in relation to the new cap. Yeah. But like, I, it's not like Chris Paul's going to get paid less money than he's been guaranteed. Um, so right now, all you can assume is that at the very least, we think the cap's going to go down by some amount, and maybe it won't go da- by down by as much as we, you know 
people are thinking. Maybe it's maybe it won't be that bad. But even if it goes down by a little, it makes it harder to shop, Chris. Yeah. No, I agree. Unless there's some kind of incentive put in there. Yeah, with- I mean, what if it is like you can choose one player that doesn't count against your cap? Well, now all of a sudden the Knicks are like, oh, so we could trade for Chris Paul and it doesn't count against our cap at all. That That seems <laughs> crazy that mm-hmm. they would let a team do that. But yeah, in that scenario, maybe it, it would make it easier. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I th- I think that they they need the the bubble to go well, and for the smoothing to happen, and for things to be as close to normal as possible, to get a deal done for Chris. I think that that's the scenario, and it's obviously very much a wait and see type of thing. Uh, at D T. T-T-F-U. Andrew, what song would you want to jam to with Steve-O? So Steve and uh, I, was, he took his you're guitar. You're a guitar guy. I'm a guitar guy. I'm looking at three guitars right now. Uh, probably uh, uh, Eagle Eye Cherry, you know. Say, wait, no, that's not Save Tonight. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Save Tonight. <laughs> Fight the break of dawn. You got to choose a song that has like two distinct guitar parts so you guys could really you know so he could be on rhythm because i don't think he is that great at the guitar from what he said there is a solo in that in the middle of that one oh really a famous solo oh yeah by cherry yeah it's do you have that album i think i might have had the single that seems like that that was the era with like the um i forget the name of the company but where you would get the thing in the mail that was like you can get 20 cds for (laughs) 9.99 that was that era of music no that's what i call music volume 12 no that was after that this was like paula cole years wasn't it (laughs) probably (laughs) probably so oh shoot but uh yeah that's that's what me and steve will be jamming to uh, it's a fun song to sing to. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard that song in so long. I don't know why I picked that song. That was voted song of the year in New Zealand. Oh, see, that's why. Maybe that was just in the back of my head. Wow. Wow. Uh, bam, bam, dash, please. With rotation shortening in the playoffs, plus, minus of I minutes. Over, over, under. Over, under. Plus, <laughs> over, yeah. under of minutes with the three-guard lineup. Uh also, apart from the Clippers, which of the West playoff teams can shut down the three-guard lineup defensively, and how? Thanks. Hmm. I mean, I the team that we all kind of want to see how they'd match up with, or at least I do, is the Rockets. Because yeah. while the Rockets don't necessarily have that, I mean, you know, they still have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who we don't think of as great individual defenders, but they do have a bunch of other guys they could potentially throw at that three-guard lineup. Uh, so I think that would be interesting. I don't know if they'd necessarily be able to shut them down, but I would just yeah. think it'd be a fun matchup. Um, who else in the West? Does anyone else scare you? I don't feel like the, especially now, uh, Rondo's out. Rondo's you know? out. Lakers don't really scare me. That not that Rondo was really scaring me, but mm-hmm. uh, but they yeah they don't have Avery Bradley or Rondo. So yeah, they're not scaring me. I mean, uh, they scare me. Do Certainly. they? The Lakers. Mm, I'm not scared anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you were, so you were scared of Rondo and Avery Bradley? Yeah, You're like sc- how ta- Taylor used to always say, you know, if Anthony Davis gets hurt, for me it was if Avery Bradley and Rondo don't play. <laughs> that was all I needed to be out on the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers still scare me a lot. Um, outside of that, I, I think... It's There's honestly pro- not like... the. When I think specifically about the three guard lineup, mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets, eh. Utah Jazz, eh. Eh. I mean, are you really that scared specifically for that reason? Dallas Mavericks, Memphis Grizzlies. Like honestly, after the Clippers, I do think the Rockets would be next. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. Are we underrating the Nuggets? Um. We gotta see. We gotta see them play. They've proved nothing ever, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, they do need to get Gary Harris in. I know he hasn't played well this year, but they do need him to be. Yeah, in the they're rotation. still missing a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. To me, it's it's the Clippers and the Lakers, and then it's still just kind of everybody else. I mean, the, obviously, I think the team that scares me the least is the Jazz. And man, I I still like the Rockets scare me a little bit, but also. Do we do we think? And also, we haven't brought up Russell Westbrook tested positive for the coronavirus, um, and will need to be quarantined, and then we'll eventually travel to the bubble once he once he's cleared that. Um, so you know, I hope hope everything goes well for Russ and that he stays symptom free. Uh, but do we really think that Russell is just going to completely change and adjust? Because he, he's adjusted, obviously. He's not shooting threes. But he just got that like the eye of the tiger in the worst way the last two years in the playoffs. Do you think that just it's goes true. away? Do you think that just goes away? I mean, I think the whole idea behind what Maury was doing was to make that difficult for him. To make it hard for him to revert to that just because he has a ton of got a ton of shooters around him at all times. Mm-hmm. Because I do think, like, I do think Westbrook is capable of letting the game come to him. I think oftentimes in Oklahoma City, he didn't let it come to him because he didn't feel like he had a ton of options. Um, because a lot of the three-point shooters we had weren't, like, I mean, they were, like, in my opinion, fake three-point shooters. Actually, Seth Partnow had a great uh, c- Twitter conversation about this, and he specifically brought up Jeremy Grant. And he, he wasn't calling them fake three-point shooters. But he was just mm-hmm. saying, like, guys who shoot threes, but they don't really affect the gravity of the court. They don't really have guys rushing to close them out. Yeah. Which you do have with, obviously, with James Harden or even with Eric Gordon or even with someone like Robert Covington who shoots, like, six threes a game. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm more hopeful that we are going to see a better Russell Westbrook this playoffs. Um, because we saw great Russell Westbrook in previous playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're mostly focusing on these last two seasons, which admittedly were terrible. Mm-hmm. But, in, you know, in the Twitter, uh, in, our, in our, not Twitter, in the Deborah Buckets trivia game, you know, we talked about how a few of those playoffs, like Russ had the best stats out of anyone on the team. Yeah. Like he was the most consistent guy. So he's done it before. I think he can do it again. I just think these last two years were just a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Could be. I'm very, I'm very interested to see what. I mean, the Rockets are are seriously. They're one of the most intriguing teams going into this. 
What like what do they look like? What are they going to do now that they have literally no big men on their team at all? What <laughs> what happens here? Uh, they're very intriguing. And the Russell, if Russell just completely stops shooting threes, I might be just all in on them even possibly making like a Western Conference Finals or NBA Finals run. Because if he just stops, and their guys that shoot threes can make threes, that's I mean that's a that's a a, a combination that we had always kind of wanted. Like Russ just attack the basket. Like if you just keep attacking the basket, it's going to open up things for other guys. Uh, and so maybe that happens. Maybe it does. It's very intriguing. I'm, I'm hopeful that he gets to Orlando and is able to do that. Being quarantined with people, you, uh, you learn a lot more about them. And some of that is how they smell. And if you are a man and you're looking to smell good, you've got to check out Hawthorne. I got some of their soap, body wash, deodorant, and lotion in the mail in a package, really a beautiful package. And it is great. It got this giant bar of soap that I've been using. It not only exfoliates, but it makes your, your skin just smell and feel so good. It's easily the best soap I've ever owned. And I've owned a lot of different soaps, but this is easily the best soap. And it's a great gift for Father's Day. So they've got cologne, they have soap, they have all kinds of body wash and lotion, and they have like hand cream and things like that that'll just make you smell great. And I think one challenge that, that men have is when you walk into a store, maybe you're going to find cologne, maybe you're going to find a good smelling soap. I don't know what I'm looking for, and I'm sure that you guys don't either. And so Hawthorne makes it super easy. You take a two-minute two minute quiz when you get onto their website. That's hawthorne.co. When you go to their website and you take the quiz... And it actually asks some like random questions and some questions specific to you. And it kind of spits out this algorithm that gives you your kind of soap and your cologne scent, which is really cool. And it is so helpful to me because I don't want to have to choose that. I really don't care about choosing what it is. But Hawthorne does it for you and it does it right. So listeners, check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O, not dot com. Hawthorne.co and use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code down to dunk to get 10% off of your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Quile Gone Gin. Hey, Andrew, longtime listener, first time caller. The Thunder's away record was better than their home record this year. Do you think our ability to perform well in unfamiliar territory or translate to performing well in a neutral environment? To phrase the question differently, do you think we'll sweep our way to the first to our first championship, or let the Bucks take a W from us, or just keep it interesting? Love the show. Thanks. I, I, I don't know, and, and nobody really knows like where the advantage lies here, because the Thunder did play well on the road. Now, I think that will translate well to the bubble. I really do. And, but like, what does that mean for a team like Philly? Because we're not playing in a hostile environment. We're playing in a neutral environment, right? So Philly was incredible at home, horrible on the road. Just Nick's bad on the road. What does that mean for them? You know, I don't know. I think I'm. it's another really intriguing factor to look into as they start to play is what does this environment do for players? Because you don't have the 
the roaring crowd. You don't have all these crazy things going on, right? Does that help or hurt or keep things relatively the same? Do they Are things pretty close to the same? How do role players perform? Because it's always been like role players perform better at home. Like how do these role players perform in a neutral environment? I think those are all questions that we just don't really know because you, you don't see playoff games played in neutral environments. You know, you don't hardly see any regular season games played in neutral environments. So, yeah, this it's wild. I hadn't really thought about it before, but how many of the key players, like CP3, Shea, Dort, Gallo, like maybe they maybe they played better on the road because they like weren't really at home when they were in Oklahoma City. I mean, they've been here for like less than twelve months. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I wonder if that has any effect because part of the comfort of playing at home is that it's just your routines and you're used to it but it's hard to think that they would have had that many routines in place i mean they've, they've played less than 40 games in oklahoma city uh but these are all guys who have well other than dort who have you know already had prior nba experience so maybe that's one of the reasons why they're so good yeah yeah no i i think that there's obviously just a ton of questions heading into this. And I think one thing you don't have to really question is their chemistry. Cause I think they do have good chemistry. You know, I think they they've shown that even just in the way that they talk about each other, you know, it's not a business as usual team. Like this team genuinely likes being around each other and are ex- we're like genuinely excited to be around each other. You can see it on their faces. Uh, even Billy, uh, was like excited to be back that first day. You know, you could see it on his face. You could hear it in his tone. Uh, and today, did you see the picture? Did you see the backward drop that Billy had today? I don't know how uh. else we're going to work this in. <laughs> it was just really funny. You can find this on the Down to Dunk Twitter feed. Um, but they set Billy up in this. The background was this white wall that had black lines on it. And when he stood up against it, it looked like a wall for a mug shot. <laughs> Um, oh i see what you're talking about it (laughs) it's just it was funny because right after billy i think that um whoever was doing the camera realized that realized the backdrop looked like that and they pivoted immediately it was really good Uh, but but I'll, i'll say that you know so far so good when it comes to chemistry and what this team will look like um just as camaraderie goes but i i'm you know, I'm excited to, to see how they look on the court because we, at the beginning of the season, they were really just not very good. Uh, but they've overcome a lot to get to where they are today. And how close can they be to where they were in Boston? Because remember, they beat Boston. And how much during this this COVID-19 stuff, have you heard about how good Jason Tatum is? And you hear about it all the time. And the Thunder beat Jason Tatum and the Celtics in Boston in the last game that they played. I mean, that without Shea. I mean, without Shea. I mean, that was an incredible performance to beat that team uh, who were playing really well uh, heading into into this elongated break. So uh, if they can get anywhere close to that, I mean, that's very, I mean, that's exciting to think about. Uh, and, and they could even, you know, improve their seating. And there's, there's just a lot there for this Thunder team. Uh, 
coming back and and they all seem to be wanting to jump right back in so it's it's exciting to think about uh grooms 512 of the guards available in this draft who would you most like to pair with shay maxi okay hold on tyrell terry uh maxi or kira lewis jr alex who's kira lewis jr he's a guard he he um I think he played for Alabama. It's the first time I've heard that name. <laughs> so that is my answer. <laughs> well, his second part was, would you trade up for any of the guards if it meant sacrificing any assets? Which I, I'm generally in favor if you have the assets of trading up Yeah. in the NBA draft. I think it's the opposite in the NFL draft, which is way deeper. In the NBA draft, we know that the value of the top picks is exponentially greater than the picks in the 20s. So, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't work out all the time. Cole Aldrich is a great example. It's a great example. Trading up for someone and it just not working out. But when you have excess picks in the way that we do, if they really did target someone and went after them hard and traded a couple picks to get them, I mean, I, you just have to trust Presti at that point. Or you'd at least have to give him the the leeway to make a move like that, not be stressing out about giving up assets for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel pretty confident in this in this front office that if they really did identify someone in this draft that they thought was worth trading assets for, I mean, I'd, I'd be excited about it in the same way that you know I was so excited for Cole Aldrich. <laughs> I knew the second that they traded up to that pick, who are they gonna, they were going to take, and I was so pumped. Yeah. No, I um of those guys that are listed, I mean Tyrese Maxey is really interesting. And he's one of those guys that if Sam took him, I'd believe in him 100% because he's kind of a blank slate uh and he's kind of a combo guard and no one really knows what position he plays and he's he's pretty athletic. He's not a crazy athlete, but he's a pretty athletic guy. Uh, he's a guy that I'm very intrigued with, and he's also a Kentucky player, which some of those guys haven't worked out, like Kevin Knox. But then like you have guys like Shea and Devin Booker that played in Kentucky and couldn't really showcase who they were or what they were, and they end up slipping in the draft because of that. Like Those guys, those guys intrigue me. The Kentucky players really intrigue me because there's just not enough space for them to to all function in the way that they will at the NBA level. Unless you're like a Carl Anthony Towns. Even Towns didn't like showcase all that he could do at that level. Uh, but the guys that are kind of behind the main guys in Kentucky, those guys <clears throat> really intrigue me. And so those of those three, it's, I would probably say Maxi. I don't know that I would pick him to pair with Shea. Uh, I would just pick him just because I'm intrigued by him. But... I really like Tyrese Halliburton is probably the guy that I would pair with Shea if I if you could trade up. Just because he could shoot it, he can handle as a secondary guy. He's got pretty good size. He's 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 thin. Um he's got good length though. And he's just one of the best passers in the draft. And if you can have a great passer, <clears throat> excuse me, a great passer to pair with Shea that can also handle and hit open threes. I and mean, that's the kind of guy that you want 
and a guy that plays super hard and is just a really intelligent player. So to me, like he's the guy. I don't. I think is. It, I'd be very very surprised if Hal Burton uh, missed in the NBA. I think he's going to be really good. I don't know that he'll be a superstar, which is why you don't pick him number one, and why you try to swing for the fences with a guy like the Mellow Ball. Uh, or Anthony Edwards, which I totally get because both those guys have tremendous potential. But I think that Halliburton probably has a, a lower floor or a higher floor than those guys do just because he's got just these translatable skills that you see. Oh, okay, I can see it. Hits, open threes. You know, can will give effort on defense, knows where to be, incredible passer. So like that's, to me, that's that's one of the guys that I really like in this draft. So so let me ask you, if you were if, as thinking about while we're thinking about someone to pair with Shea in the backcourt, which of these flaws would be the biggest red flag for you? Mm-hmm. So a guy who projects to be pretty bad at defense, a guy, a guy who doesn't really have a strong shot, like he, he might be a good scorer, but he doesn't necessarily have a good three-point shot, or a guy who isn't really thought of as a playmaker. Which of those would be like most concerning to you that would make you want to cross them off? Probably a guy that doesn't defend still. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I think those guys are just really difficult, unless they're a star. Right. They're just harder to have out there like as a full-time starter. I mean, what full-time starter out on the perimeter can you play that doesn't defend well? I mean, the hope is (laughs) Trey Young is probably like... But he's a star. He's an all-star already. Right. Well, I mean, I think with any of these guys, if it's not a star, mm-hmm. I don't know how good the Thunder are going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they can have just like an average backcourt partner with Shea. Yeah. Like Luke Kennard. Would Luke Kennard be a starter on every NBA team? Probably be a starter on our team. He'd probably be a starter on our team. But he's like, is he like the long-term guy where you're like, oh, that's the guy I want to pair? Like, I like him. He shoots it. He can handle, runs a pick and roll. Good decision maker. Great. Dude is going to get blown by all the time. Right. So, I, I, I mean, Sam Presley gets made fun of all the time for not having, you know, having guys that can shoot it, but he's always got guys that can defend out there. Always. And... You know, other teams get made fun of because their guys don't defend. Well, you, that's never been a, a critique of the Thunder, you know. So, I don't know. I still kind of lean lean toward that, especially if it's going to be a role. If it's a role player, certainly. If it's a star, who cares if they guard, man? If those guys are if, if, if those guys can produce at a high level offensively, who cares? Just let, let, them, let them go. Shea can defend well enough. It will be interesting to see how Presti fills that spot. If he goes with a guy who kind of like Shea is kind of just good at a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty good ball handler, looks like he's going to be able to develop a shot, pretty good defender. Like, is he basically going to pair him up with another guy who's very similar to him and just kind of let them blossom together? Or will he go the route of like, I'm going to identify like a really good shooter or a super good playmaker and put that type of a player, like a more dominant type of a player next to Shea I don't even I have no idea what the right answer is because we still haven't seen what this team looks like with Shea in charge mm-hmm. and that would probably change our opinion one way or the other yeah 
Yeah, I think the Thunder think those same thoughts. That would have that would have been a cool thing to do in summer league. If Shea played, yeah, he probably wouldn't play, but he probably wouldn't. But even in these, I mean, I know he's not going to get that chance in these playoffs, but I'm I'm very intrigued to see if he's improved because this is the length of an off like a traditional off season. You know, this is year three for Shea. Very, yeah. very intrigued to see how he looks. Because that's a lot of times year three is like a is a big year for guys. And this you get the, you get this rare chance to have your year three start with the playoffs, which is just gonna be very strange. It's gonna be very, very strange. But um even for a guy like Luca, I mean the guy's still twenty years old. I think he's going to come back better. And that's that makes the Mavericks. I mean, we did, we haven't, didn't even mention the Mavericks as a team that's like could be potentially scary. I don't think the Thunder will end up matching up with them, so that's why I don't really even discuss them because I think that they'll stay kind of in the same range as the Thunder, which will keep them away from each other as far as uh playing against each other, but I think that the Mavs are are super interesting as a as a first-round playoff opponent, really, against a lot of teams. Uh, let's see. From at WEK12, what do you believe is the best course of action moving forward? To trade for a disgruntled star? Booker, Beal, Cat, or maybe Ben Simmons? To pair with Shea and try to compete ASAP? On the other hand, could we tank next season and build through the draft again? I would say you could already rule out two of those guys. Like Minnesota's not trading Cat at this point. No. Like after the D'Lo trade, like that is at least getting a year and probably two or three years before they would even consider trading Cat. So I feel like he's off the table now. I feel similarly about Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. I don't really see him as a real option at this point. I mean, Phoenix definitely got better this year. And, you know, if they make another step forward next year with a few of the other West teams falling off a little bit, I I, I think they're going to be fine. So for me, it's a question of Beal or Ben Simmons. Beal, in my opinion, I mean, he's already <laughs> – this is going to sound noxious, but he is 27 years old, which – I don't know if the Thunder have enough just otherwise to truly compete if they just bring in Brad Beal. Because obviously they have, to give, they have to give up something, and it'll probably include some players. Mm-hmm. So for me, like the only guy on that list that I would seriously consider would be Ben Simmons, who is just about to turn 24. He apparently is starting to play a lot of power forward in these uh, Sixers scrimmages mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm which I find very intriguing. Yes. Um, so he is the only guy who I personally would feel comfortable going all in on. I mean, I think Brad Beal is great. I think he would play great alongside Shea, but I don't think that team is a contender this year or for the next like two or three years. And by that time, Beal's 30 years old. And it's like, what are you doing at that point? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess the question is, if the Thunder did make a trade for Ben Simmons, it would cost ton of draft picks and probably Chris Paul and other 
things and they take back big salary and it's a massive trade. But at the end of the day, do you believe in the Thunder front office and their ability to put the right players around Shea and Ben Simmons? And it's not even believe. It's like, do I believe they're they're going to be able to do it? Yeah. Um, with you know issues with the cap coming up, um, with a, a personality like Ben Simmons, who you know rumors are that he wants to go to L. A. Like he's another one of those L. A. guys. Yeah. Who everyone just kind of assumes wants to go to L. A. As soon as he can. Um. So, the, I mean, that's obviously the huge risk with Ben Simmons. So, mm-hmm. no, I can't say for sure that I would feel totally confident that they would be able to build a contending team around those two. Yeah. Because even though he is young, you're right, and that they probably need to, like, build that team relatively quickly. Yeah. Because Ben Simmons is kind of used to being on a good team now. Well, I think Simmons and Shea takes you to that level of competing. You know, like, it, de- it depends who's around them. I mean, it, you have to have a ton of shooting around those two. If, like, you can't if, play Simmons and Adams together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that means you're already looking for a center. I'm just saying, Don't, if you have those two, like, you're not going to be the bottom of the barrel. No, but you're probably right where you are, to be quite honest. Like, you're probably a four to eight seed in the yeah. West. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, making the playoffs, competing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm not saying like they're the best team in the West or anything like that. But I think that you do have to start game planning and finding a center that can shoot and finding a really good knockdown shooting guard. You know, you got to find those guys pretty quick. We Especially, got we got a moose. You we forget got moose. about moose? We got moose. I haven't heard about I haven't heard about Mike Muscala in like months. <laughs> And I haven't seen any video evidence of Mike Muscala in months. Is he in Orlando? Uh, yeah, everybody made it. Because I haven't seen any Nerlens either. I've seen some Nerlens. You have seen some. Nerlens? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've. I don't know that I've seen Moose either. Hmm. He's definitely not been made available to the media. Oh, would you keep Gallinari? Let's say that they made that trade this summer. Would you keep Gallinari? Would you try to resign Gallinari? Uh, man, that's tough. So now you're playing, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but you obviously would want to play both of those guys together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Point center Simmons. Gosh, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's great. And obviously I love Gallo. I love his skill set, but he is getting older and I'm guessing it would take a relatively big deal. I just don't know if I have the stomach for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. He'd, he'd be like, he'd be like the perfect. I mean, he's probably not the perfect player, um, but he'd he'd be a great player alongside those two if he was seven years younger. If he was in their general age range. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, from at Ham Sizzle Three, how many days do you think it will take James Harden to break the bubble? What do you think he'll break that bubble for? Uh, to get there. Because he's still not in it, right? He's not there yet. Yeah. No, no, he's not. Can't break a bubble if you're not in a bubble. What if it, What if they never get there? He and Russ <laughs> just never get there. Never get to the bubble. <laughs> well, I would predict that would be very bad for the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Who's their primary ball handler? 
Uh, Eric Gordon, probably. Austin Rivers? Yeah, Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon could take it back to his Clippers days. Yeah. I'd tune in. I'd tune in for that. Uh, no, these guys are too smart. <laughs> they have to be too smart to get in trouble. I mean, especially yeah. after what uh, they saw the NBA did to Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Who, from what it sounds like, stepped like a few feet beyond the barrier yep. to get some to pick up some food from a delivery driver, and that was enough to for him to essentially be suspended. I mean, he's not really suspended; he's quarantined for like nine days. It's kind of like a suspension. I mean, it's a punishment. Basically, yeah. Know. I mean, if they're going, if they're that serious, then these stars cannot risk it. Do you feel more encouraged or less encouraged after the the Bruno Caboclo and Rashad Holmes news? Honestly, I, I feel positive about all the news we've heard so far. Yeah. It seems like the NBA is taking it super seriously. It seems like the guys are generally enjoying themselves. I'm sure there's some guys who are miserable already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like Rondo was miserable already, mm-hmm. and now he's out. Um, but yeah, I, I actually loved seeing how serious they were taking it. I mean, it, it seems like they're going way too far, especially with like the Rashawn Holmes thing. Because it's like, well, I've picked up food from a delivery driver. I mm-hmm. was uh, but I think that's what they got to do. And, and they got to do it to let the other players know, like, we are taking this super seriously. Please do not leave the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I, I'm continuing to be just cautious, cautiously optimistic about where everything's going and they are being very strict and, We'll we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, the, the one of the hardest things is just getting everybody there. Exactly, yeah. and now that they've accomplished like the hardest part. Yeah, the fact that they were able to get there with no major outbreak yet, because that was the issue in the MLS. And now, once they got FC Dallas out of there, things in the MLS have been going pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. I was just checking out uh, my Portland Timbers uh, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. This is this is definitely. I think you can breathe a sigh of relief once they get to these games next week, the scrimmage games. That okay, like they've gotten this far. Now it's it'll take a player doing something stupid, like inviting somebody in or going out without being detected or something like that. Like that's what it will take from there. But for now, or a Disney worker having it and and spreading it, they're not supposed to to be near players, but. You know who knows, but it's certainly it's not like it's impossible for it to happen after that. But I think that they've got the proper protocols in place. You know, like they have bus drivers for each team, the same bus driver for each team, and they're tested every single day. And so, I mean, and guys have to like look at what happened to Rudy Gobert in yeah. terms of like the fan and media reaction to him, and actually, and his teammate reaction to him. Yeah, no kidding. Things like, man, this is just like whatever I'm thinking of doing, it is probably not worth it. And maybe that's not true for like a role player, but for the star players, like they would just get, I mean, they'd get roasted mercilessly if, 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 if they either broke the bubble or worst case scenario, if they like broke the bubble and then obviously got a positive test, it just would, it would be bad for them. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The optics would be horrible. I mean, we joke about like James Harden breaking the bubble, but what if he really did? I mean, if he if he was the one, they're like, "Yep, we can point to him." He I mean, screwed honestly, all of for this him, up. wouldn't be that much different. 
because I feel like uh, the internet already hates him. So it'd just be a continuation of a theme. <laughs> That's so true. That's very true. Uh, let's see. Let's go. <laughs> Squilly50 says, does anyone else hear the athletic sound and hear the athletic trivia music right after like me? Oh, you've trained them. Yeah. Like we've... Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. <laughs> That's right. I've been conditioned here. Poor thing. <laughs> uh, Adam's Nut Cup 6. How would you rank the, the trade potential of Gallo, Chris Paul, Dennis, and Adams? By trade potential, I mean two kinds of rankings. Ranking one would be who is the most to, likely to leave or to be traded. Ranking two... Who would yield the most assets from their trade value? Hope this question makes sense. And thanks for the laughs. Smiley face. So Dennis and Adams are both expiring next season. Yep. Gallo would take a sign and trade. And then CP3 has two full years left. Mm-hmm. And so ranking no one, the most likely to be <laughs> traded of all those guys. Um, I'd probably say Dennis because he still has a relatively affordable deal Mm -hmm. and it's only for one more year. And if there was a team that was just looking for like a really good, like second guard, second ball handler Mm -hmm. who can score, who can shoot a little bit and who can kind of direct their team whenever their star is on the bench, I think Dennis would be a pretty good option, a relatively affordable option. Yeah. God, the Sixers need Dennis so bad. Yeah, a, t- a team like that that just kind of needs like a little spark. And if they had Schroeder, first of all, the 76ers fans would go crazy for Dennis Schroeder just because of the stuff that he can do <laughs> versus the guys that they have now. Like he, They just don't have anybody that does what he does. Uh, yeah, I think they would go crazy for him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I still think that Chris Paul is the most likely to be traded this summer. And I know his contract is a huge deal. I know it is. But I do believe that it is a huge deal for the Thunder to tank for this next draft. And so that's that's why I think that Chris is the guy. Because even if you don't trade Dennis or Steven Adams, I think you trade Chris Paul, you let Gallo walk, and the team is not very good still right yeah i would say adams would be last on my list of yeah likeliness to be traded he might be last on the list for both true just because you you don't need to pay a center that much to get the relative value I and mean, we've even seen it with nerlens noel not that nerlens noel is like close to the talent level of steven but there's been games that steven's missed and that nerlens has stepped in and played well and he's on a very tiny contract. You can go find big guys. And I hate I hate that we have to talk about Adams this way and disparage him. And it's not to disparage him. It's just to say that big guys just aren't worth this much anymore. And when he signed the contract in 2016, players, big guys were worth a lot. But they get more and more diminished unless you are a superstar. But if you're just in that tier below... Like that tier below has become more and more diminished. I mean, Rudy Gobert, who is one of the best centers in the whole league, is probably not getting a super max. That's what 
uh, at least Zach Lowe thinks he's not getting a super max. I mean, five years ago, easy super max for a guy like that, right? Oh, for sure. And now it's like, yeah, I don't know if he deserves it. It's a it's like top three or four center in the NBA. I mean, that's, that's going to be a really interesting story. Yeah. I mean, the Jazz are, are are a very intriguing team moving forward. Very, very intriguing. But anyways, yeah, I would I would probably say like most likely to get traded, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and then probably Gallus. I didn't trade the Adams. I think Adams is probably sticking around. I think I don't think they can extract enough value to even justify trading him. Right. Um, and his contract matters less. It just matters less. He's at, at that point you're just like trying to get to the cap floor. Um, whenever you get let those other guys go, and then the value. Man, am I crazy to think that Chris Paul would get the most value? He probably would, but it's you. You'd have to take a lot back too. Yeah, but which of these players would return the best asset? It probably would be CP3. You'd have to take a lot back, and you'd probably have to take back a bad contract. Mm-hmm. But he's still the best player here. Yeah, and so a, a team could easily justify giving up some type of asset. Whereas for these other guys, you know, an expiring deal for Dennis and Adams, a sign and trade for Gallo. I mean, I think you'd be lucky to get a late first round pick for any of those guys at this point, mm-hmm. and you, you'd probably and you'd probably be pretty happy with that. Yeah, for any of them. Yeah, for sure. And the Thunder could keep Gallo, but I still think there. I mean, there's just still a good chance that he just walks. You yeah, know? what a, what a what a wonderful year it's been though. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he will go down in Thunder fans' hearts, especially if they make a, it out of the first round. Oh yeah, fan favorite for sure. Yeah, it's a great, great. That's enough. He he's been like supercharged Anthony Morrow for me. Who Anthony Morrow has always been one of my favorite Thunder players. Mm-hmm. But Gallo, because I just love players who are just really good three point shooters. Yeah. And uh, and and. That plus his personality, he's just been uh, he's just been a delight. He is extremely delightful. Uh, let's see. This is from at Vince McMahon's burner. How far do we make it in the bubble playoffs? I'm I'm second round or bust now. Whoa! Okay, you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> As long as we don't have to play the Clippers or Lakers, which I don't expect that we will have to. Yeah. Even if it's the Nuggets, I'm feeling confident. If it's wow. the Jets, it's the Rockets. Wow. Whoever, I don't care. I'm feeling that, confident in this team. That would be very, very gratifying to beat really any of those teams. Nuggets, Jazz, Rockets in round one. We have one. not had one negative piece of news about the Thunder. It's true. In months. It's true. Everything about Dre somehow continues to be positive <laughs> every single day. I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's not happening. And until it does, I have no reason to doubt this team. Yeah. Speaking of Dre, twelve foot jump shot. If Dre somehow managed to to get back to something close to his best, how yeah. much does that raise the Thunder ceiling in the playoffs? Him coming back, or or him getting a twelve foot jump shot. <laughs> him just coming back. <laughs> what was the jump shot about? 
That's the name of the person that asked the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I guess that'd be cool if Dre had a 12-foot jump shot. <laughs> Something to mix it up. Um, how much does it raise their ceiling? I mean, I think it raises their ceiling just by having more depth. Yeah. I'm not having to worry about... I mean, there were so many points during this year because Ferguson was dealing with off-the-court stuff where, like, Dort was just this oasis in the middle of this desert because it was finally we just had a a capable wing that we could play and now going into the bubble you're thinking that you're going to have dort ferg and dre like the chances that we don't even need to see nader that we don't even need to see deontay in the playoffs like they're very high Mm -hmm. we're deep now and so for that reason alone like you're not going to have to play these end of the bench guys even though Nader had a great season, you know? Yeah. But I, I just don't know if they're going to need him in the way that they definitely needed him during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that just having Dre to come in, especially if you get the Rockets, like a fully healthy Rockets team, like you need Dre for that team. Oh, man. Can you imagine Dre and Dort going against Russ and Harden? I'm telling you, man. <clears throat> telling I mean, you. it'd be nasty offensively but those defensive matchups would be very fun yeah <laughs> it would be nasty offensively. <laughs> uh the only reason i wouldn't want andre to play at all is just because i i want as much darius Baisley in the bubble as possible he is really uh i mean he's become not just a thunderstar like I, I've been reading some threads, um, and and seeing people like discovering him for the first time. Yeah, he bu- he has made a name for himself. He's bubble MVP so far. And I thought his new uh, New Balance shoes were pretty nice looking. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. I, uh, the th- the thing about Darius that's really interesting is that when he gets in front of the media, like everything about that fishing video where he's catching the fish and he's just going wild. He's got zero percent of him in like in that mode. Zero percent in like media availability. Zero percent. It's because you guys are a bunch of creeps. <laughs> just you're a bunch all, of creeps. You're all just staring at him, you know. <laughs> bunch of old guys, old dads. Staring <laughs> at him. I don't blame him, but it's he is person. He just doesn't show any of that. Well, maybe you just aren't the person to bring that out of him, Andrew. Maybe you guys need to... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't even ask a question today. I mean... Well, I just... maybe you should. Maybe you should. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I should. Maybe I will. Who knows? Did anyone ask him about his new shoes? Uh, I don't believe anybody asked him about his shoes. They did ask about the fishing and stuff like that. And he just gave a very unenthusiastic answer, which is just really... <laughs> Maybe it's a part of maybe it's a bit. <laughs> if it's a bit, it's a funny bit. It's a, it's the a, idea that he's putting out all this content where he is the most entertaining person in the world, and then he comes to talk to you and turns into a slightly nicer version of Russ. Yeah, he well he was just like, Yeah, I've been fishing a couple times now. It's like, dude, <laughs> like <laughs> you, you watch yourself what you just did? That's not it's not just going fishing. Like that was wild and out going fishing I mean, come on now it's just crazy 
Uh, did you ask for some TQs from people? A huge thanks uh, to uh, the people of of Our Thunder for submitting questions. Uh, yes, we got a question from uh, at Michael Clampett. Best time zone for optimum NBA viewing. I guess it just depends on your work situation, right? Uh, that is probably true. I mean, this bubble schedule is kind of kind of throws it all up in the air. I mean, I will always uh, voice my love of the West Coast time zone. Yeah, for watching sports because you always are done by around like eight, and at latest nine p.m. Mm-hmm. You still got you can still do stuff. If I wanted to watch baseball, I could. And still go to bed before like ten. So uh, I think what, in fact, I would like it to be even earlier. So I was actually considering like what Hawaii is like, because <laughs> I think the games come on super early there. Yeah, but I would love to get up like at four or five, and basically be asleep but have a game on. That sounds nice. You think that the Pacific time zone for the bubble times is too early? No. Okay, I'm just not asking. at all. I'm just asking. No, like, you would have to like honestly. If I I get up at six every day, so any ga- any time that starts at six or later, I'd be happy with. <laughs> six a.m. Thunder tip. That'd be awesome. <laughs> of course, that'd be like eight a.m. for you guys, so it's not that much of a difference. It'd still be super early. Yeah. Um. At OKC Mift, do you guys listen to any non-sports related podcasts? If so, what would you recommend? Um. I listen to uh, Hardcore History. Yeah, oh, I've listened to that. Dan Carlin yeah. just dropped a new one. He's uh, covering the uh, war in the Pacific during World War II, which is very good. Um. I listen to your Kickstarter sucks, which I very much enjoy. They review uh, Kickstarters. I listen to Comedy Bang Bang. I listen to, uh, I've been trying to get into that. Have you heard about this one called Winds of Change, Andrew? Mm-mm. So it's, it's like a, it's a limited series type of one, but it's, it's a true, well, it's, they're trying to figure out if it's a true story that in the 1980s, towards the end of the um, Soviet Union, right, the CIA wrote a pop song for a German metal band called winds of change that that is that has become i'd never heard this song before but it is like the biggest song in the history of like european rock music it is is very well known by everyone over in europe and it became this song that became like the voice of uh the revolution or you know whatever like the people in west germany who are fighting to get the wall torn down yeah like it, it became their song and there is some evidence that this song was written by the CIA and specifically given to this band to do as like a psyop. Wow. And so this, this podcast called uh, Winds of Change, um, they basically go and try to talk to old CIA spies and get them to tell them anything. And it's pretty compelling. I am kind of convinced that the CIA did do this. That's extremely interesting. I've, what's it called winds it, of change it's called winds of change and it's not that out of the realm of possibility because if you've seen something like argo like yeah the cia will go to extreme lengths yeah and do weird like out of the box stuff so it's not like the craziest idea man yeah i, I hadn't heard this uh at momo Milady asked if we had seen matisse Thibel's bubble vlogs I have seen a, f- 
the first few minutes of his first one. Yes. I have not yet. I should check him out because it looks like he's doing it up right. I mean, he's got like a really nice camera and a microphone on the top of it. Yeah. He needs some subscribers on his YouTube page. Hit the hit the subscribe button for him. I think he had 255 the last time I checked. Oh, really? That was a few days ago, though. I mean, it's it's probably yeah. increased a lot since then. But I remember whenever I clicked on it, uh, that was maybe on like Saturday, that he had just, just a few. <laughs> just like 255. I was like, oh, wow. Matisse. Uh, at H underscore Claw wants to know our favorite hot sauce. Oh. Do you have a favorite hot sauce? Man, I don't I don't know that I have a favorite. I do like hot sauce, but um whatever's available is fine. Like I'm not I'm not too particular about most things. So I I do use hot sauce, but I'm not too particular. I really like um Secret Aardvark, which was on season something of Hot Ones. Yeah. And it's from Portland. Yeah, I actually and, have uh, that in my refrigerator right now. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. do a habanero that I really like. Yep, that that actually is it's very good. I got it from uh, I got it from the press actually. Oh really? Yep. Oh. Yep. Interesting. Yes. Because I know that Joe had come out to uh, Portland. He did. That that was one of the things they brought back. Was Interesting. The, was, was the sauce, and uh, I was like, "This is so good." He was, and he just threw me a bottle. He's like, "It's yours." Yeah, yeah. That that is definitely a staple in my house. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Okay, at Johnny Ho thirty four wants some insider info. Andrew, he says, can Andrew talk about the shows he is producing and the people he's meeting? Has to be surreal. Congrats! Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We did a podcast with Stan Van Gundy today that will drop sometime tomorrow, so that will be on the Athletic NBA Show feed. Um, it was very surreal talking to Stan Van Gundy knowing that I did an impression of Stan Van for years when he was with the Pistons. Oh, on, that's on, true. On this very pod. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I now, mean, it's just been, it's been an unbelievable experience so far. Yeah. Prior to COVID, when they would do pods like this, they weren't using, were they using video or were they just doing it over Skype like we are? Mostly like, over Skype and we've done some over video and some over Skype and it just it really a lot of it just depends on how good of a local record you can get. And that's, that's some of the struggle with using some of the video platforms is they don't, you have to like sacrifice audio quality for it. Hmm. Cause um, I just wonder after this, after coronavirus is in the past, mm-hmm. if that will just continue to be a thing, like choosing to use zoom or whatever video platform it is. Yeah in lieu of just pure audio. Cause I do think, um, I mean, I know you well, so it's easy to talk to you without a video, mm-hmm. but even when we were doing our trivia shows, like it was really helpful to be able to see your guys faces. And I'm sure with people that you don't know, you can still like pick up some facial cues. Yep. And that is very helpful. Yeah. No, it can be very helpful. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly with your, somebody you don't have chemistry with and you're trying to, to gain that, I think video helps a lot. Stuff like that. Although then it puts the producer like yourself just out there. Just your face is there. <laughs> I turn I turn my my video off. You do? <laughs> well, not in the beginning, but after after a minute, yeah. Oh man, but you could you could just have your video on, mute yourself, but then like do big big belly laughs whenever they say <laughs> something mildly funny, and then they'll really like you. 
<laughs> That's true. Sam McGunny did say my name today twice, which was pretty pretty really? exciting. Oh yeah. Was it Andrew? Turn off your video. I don't <laughs> want to look at you. He just said, uh, "What did he say?" Something like, "It was nice, nice to talking to you. Nice talking to you, Andrew." Like Stan Van. Stan Man, that's Van. impressive that he remembered your name. He's a true leader. I'll say that about Stan that, Van. That that really is a talent. It is it's not talent. Yeah. It's more just caring. But also, <laughs> also, it does say my name right below my video feed. Oh, that's true. So, but even even still. <laughs> Still a talent to remember to look there and then and, to even bother saying it. Yeah, to use the name. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, somebody asked, uh, where was it? Which? Oh, here we go. At JGG512. Oh, I wonder if this is the Grooms. Oh, it is. Grooms512. He's got two questions on the pod. What Thunder player do you predict to have the most unexpected great game in the playoffs? Ooh, I like this question. I do too. And you know who I would choose? Ferg. Oh, wow. Why? I could see Ferg having like a 15-point... Because it would be the most unexpected. Yeah, I agree. Because And the reason I would choose him is because I do think he'll get the playing time. Yeah. So I think he's a good bet because he's going to get the playing time we know he can have good games. And so it wouldn't be that crazy, but given this season, it would be very unexpected if he came out and hit like, even if it was just like him hitting five threes in a game and having fish points, that would be like a huge deal. If he hits five threes in a game. Has he ever hit five threes? I'm going to look it up right now. Who would your guy be? I'm like deciding between Nerlens and uh, Nader. Yeah, I think Nerlens is a good bet because um, he's another guy who's still going to probably get his playing time. Nader's just risky, you know. He's risky. He's risky, but I think that Nader, Nader could be a guy that could come off the bench and hit, you know, three threes in a quarter. You're like, oh, whoa, Abdul Nader. But uh, Nerlens Noel could, you know, he could come out and have five steals in a game and like change the course of like a, a third quarter. Um. He has that type of potential. Remember whenever he was guarding Dame out on the perimeter? And yeah. Stri- and stripped him? Like, he can just... There's just some games where he can just do stuff. And uh, I think that he's... To me, he's a guy that just kind of gets forgotten on this team. And who had a tremendous season. I mean, his, his like, per-game averages aren't anything, like, spectacular. Like, seven points a game, almost five boards. Uh one steal, one and a half blocks. It's like, okay, that's that's fine. But he really did have a really impactful season. His per 36 numbers are actually quite impressive. 15 points per game, uh, almost 10 boards, two assists, two steals, and almost three blocks per game per 36. Yeah. Hey, update. Uh, Terrence Ferguson has hit at least five threes four times. Okay. Twice against the Lakers. That's my prediction. He's gonna be. He's gonna have his breakout game Ooh. in the second round, round two, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Per thirty six, Nerlens averages more more points than Stevo. Yeah. Hey, let's just say that they're both good centers. 
We're glad we have both of them. Love having death. Yeah. No, I mean, it's for real. That's for real. Um, that was, that's one of the most disappointing things I've ever looked at on Basketball Reference. Well, you shouldn't. You don't. Well, do you remember? Uh, I, I one time made a tweet, and thankfully I've been deleting all of my old tweets in a systematic way. But <laughs> I, ha- I remember doing a tweet where I was comparing Ferguson's per 36. Yeah. This is either in his rookie year or sophomore year to Clay Thompson. And they were like almost exactly the same. Ooh. So I don't trust per 36 at all. I think it's garbage. Per 36, Terrence Ferguson, six points per 36 minutes <laughs> this season. That's less well, than... That, that than, one sounds believable. Less than Devin Hall, less than Baisley, less than Dort. Dort's ten double digits. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I remember there was someone... Oh, I think it was Bill Simmons who was like making the case for Giannis based on per 36. Yeah. It's just like... I, I I don't know what the correct use of per thirty six stats is, other than making really dumb arguments about young players. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know when you should be using it. I don't know. It's it seems very like two thousand fourteen to use per thirty six. Yeah, it's fun. It makes all the players on your team look better. It does. <laughs> <laughs> if we, we can somehow play all ten of these guys thirty six <laughs> minutes a night, this team would be unstoppable. Yeah. It's funny, like, no one has any, cr- like, I remember, like, looking at Russ's, like, per, like, f- even, like, his, like, per 48 or whatever, and they would always just be, like, outrageous. There's nobody on the team that's above 22 and a half points per game per 36. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just, like, so this Thunder team. Okay, last question. At Comeback Kid, which former Thunder player would be the best complement to this year's team? And let's, for the sake of argument, let's say not Kevin Durant. Let's okay. say a role player. What role player? It's like we could pick a specific role player, like from a specific year. Yeah. Like I could take like 2013 Tabo. Um, Tabo. Yeah. That, I mean, that was the first name that came to my mind as well. I'm surprised you didn't want Dion. Dion was great. Dion was great. 2013 Tabo was better. Uh, that would be one. I mean, is Serge a role player? Mm, no, it's a little too good. I mean, yeah, obviously any of their good players. Uh, Russell past, Westbrook, but... James Harden, and uh, <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think have they ever had like a decent stretch five? Oh, they almost had Brook Lopez. Okay, Nanad. Yeah, it stretches out a little bit. Mike Muscala. To... Mike Muscala might be the guy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Already got uh, him. Alec, Alec got Burks. Him. Alec Burks. <laughs> well, who's like, okay, so who's, I'm thinking role play. I definitely, if I'm going to bring someone in, it needs to be someone who can shoot. I would like a shooter. Daquan? But, mm, but it can't be like a no defense guy. So even though I like Anthony Morrow, I, so I, I do think you're right. 2013 Tabo would probably be the best option. Yeah. Because I, even though earlier I said that it's nice having Dre back, I feel like we have so much more depth. I would, I'm still choosing 2013 Tabo, which should tell you what I really think about our wing depth. Yeah, 41% from three on three attempts per game for Tabo. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to have someone a little bit bigger on the wing. Yeah. 
honestly, you know who you bring back? You bring back like 2015 Dre. Yeah. That would be that would that would be great. He was awesome. He Is that is that a good Dre year? I kind of just picked a year. Yeah, I mean, he's very good. He's second best player in that playoff series. So yeah, that's actually a good one. What about Victor Oladipo? Oh Does yeah, that that'd be a nice one. Sure, I'll count that. What about Mitch McGarry for like those two weeks? Yes, that was fun. Watching Mitch I'd love the break. to see McGarry in the bubble. <laughs> oh, never mind. Get McGarry. <laughs> I retract that invitation to Mitch McGarry. Oh, Steve Novak. We forgot about Steve Novak. Stretch big. Yes, Steve we did Novak. forget about him. Yeah, what was the playoffs that uh, Dre hit 40% from three? That was, oh, that was 2016-17. On four and a half attempts per game. That, that, was only, right. that was only five games. That was just against the Rockets. Oh, yeah. Didn't he shoot like 17% from the free throw line, though? Uh, He shot 14%. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe 2015-16. I mean, he still shot 32% from three, which given how I think about his shooting seems very impressive. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah. That's good. I'd take it. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Thanks again to the people of uh, Thunder Reddit and to the people of Twitter as well for the questions for tonight's show. Make sure you follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at down to dunk. Be sure to check out the Athletic NBA show and go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get 40% off an annual subscription. Hope you guys have a great, great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.